0: Brian, how's Christine doing? Oops, sorry. So welcome to a fresh new podcast of three old matzo balls talking sports. We want to welcome back our expanding, ever-expanding international audience and hopefully some newbies as well. And uh, like to reintroduce or introduce you to, for the first time to my esteemed, prestigious colleagues, Drew Pomerance and Brian Tessler. Hello, my fellow matzo ball colleagues. How are we doing tonight, Brian? Happy Hanukkah. Drew? Oi. Oi, what a great Hanukkah. That's happy right. Hanukkah, guys. Yeah. 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 Happy Hanukkah to you guys as well. So uh we're gonna kind of freewheel as as we uh as we like to do on this podcast. Uh back in episode eight, about five weeks ago or so. Uh, we started a, a new game that we're going to do periodically called over under where I set up a number of different scenarios for the guys and uh and I and I you know picked the the, the number so to speak and and they all voted and weighed in in terms of their opinion about either over or under around that scenario um we're going to do something you know I want to remind you guys in our audience that we made a solemn commitment and vow of this podcast to do what uh our friends over on ESPN and ESPN2 and Fox Sports West typically don't do, which is they'll bloviate and they'll pontificate and they'll give their forecasts and they'll render their their brilliant opinions and so forth and predictions about upcoming games. And then they'll hide in the, you know, kind of in the closet, so to speak, after those events, uh, never to return and hold themselves accountable as far as their track record around their predictions. We, on the other hand, are going to uh, uh, believe in 100% transparency and holding ourselves accountable. So that being said, uh, that sets the context for what I'm going to call the over-under revisited. So, gentlemen, um, the first over-under scenario that I set forth to you was the over-under on total Laker regular season wins this year, remember? Absolutely. Okay, and the over-under number that I set was 35 uh, at the time of the podcast, the Lakers were off to their uh, white hot 0 and 3 start, and uh, all three of us were unanimous, which is a scary thing. We all we all actually, sadly, with heavy hearts, took the uh, took the under. Um, the Lakers are now 13 and 16. Um, we know that Anthony Davis is out for quote unquote at least a month, kind of non specific about the exact timeline and the extent of the quote unquote foot injury. So there's 53 games left uh, in this regular season, guys. And for us to be right, the Lakers can only win a maximum of 21 more games, which would mean that they would be uh, 21 and uh, and 28. Is that right? Um, 20, there's 53 games left, 21 and 32. 21 and 32. Okay. So this is a chance to have a redo here. So... Wait, weren't um, you a money? weren't you a money manager, Mike? Yeah, but that's why I'm, <laughs> I got fired, basically. And and, and <laughs> <laughs> so so anyway, this is a chance for a redo. Um, do you want to stick with your original uh, pick on that um, on the under? Do you want to change to the over, Drew? Let's start with you.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna change to the over. I'm, I'm going to change you over. And by the way, I want to congratulate you on using the word bloviate. That's only the fourth time I've I've heard the word today. So it's it's a great word. Thank you. I used it four other times today because I was talking a lot with my partner, Nick, who well, bloviates that ex- a lot. That explains, like, that explains a lot. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to go over. I think the Lakers are playing decent and I think they'll weather the storm for a little bit. And then Davis will come back. I'm optimistic, and they'll they'll be okay. I think they have a chance to win 35, 36 games this year.
2: Ryan, man, I, I, uh, it's really hard. I, I really thought they were playing some pretty decent basketball. Matter of fact, I thought they were one trade away, really, from finishing over 500. Um, Davis is so good when he's healthy and he makes such a big difference the gift. that I'm going to, I know, but you know what, Drew, I, I'm going to take the over with you only because Mike's going to take the under Yep. and I'm going to go on. I went with him last week. I'm going to go with you this week. So I'm going to go with buddy. the over. Feel,
0: thank you. I feel, I feel good about that. Well, that's going to stick for the next, uh, for the remaining two thirds of the season. So, uh, so Drew and Brian are, are uh, changing positions here. They're both going to go with the over. I'm going to stick to my guns and and stick with the under, Um, which brings us to 1A, um, an adjunct over under scenario that we had discussed um, about five weeks ago was Anthony Davis. We were all unanimous in terms of wasn't a question of if, but when um, he was going to go down for some extended period of time with an injury. Um, The over under uh, I had set, at 25 games, as far as how far into the season would that injury event occur? So we got to give ourselves some kudos here. I'll, I'll, I'll give myself a, a self-congratulatory because I set the number of 25 games into the season and he was injured during the 28th game. So if I do say so myself, that's pretty damn good. Uh, in terms of the over/under, Brian, you and I took the under. We thought that would happen uh, in less than 25 games into the season. Drew, you took the over, so kudos to you. Uh, you were correct,
1: just um, barely. The
0: the the next part of that question was, how many conservative, uh, sorry, how many consecutive games would AD miss with that particular injury? The over/under. This is interesting. The over/under I set at 20. Now. He's expected to be out for quote unquote around a month. I checked their schedule. They have 15 games scheduled between uh when the injury occurred and January 16th, which will be the exactly the 30-day point. There's 15 games scheduled. Again, the over under on how many consecutive games he'd miss as a result of the injury was 20, and Brian and Drew took the under. And I took the over there. So I don't know, guys. It's kind of a flip of the coin. I, I guess if he actually did return on that one-month timeline, you guys would be right on that over-under. Any thoughts on
2: on that? Or do you want to change, uh, change your position? No, I'm going to stay. But I'll be honest, a lot of it's going to depend on what the Lakers' record is at the time and how they're playing. If they're playing well, I think they'll try to extend it and make sure he's at 100%, especially – uh, it depends on what they have picked up at the trade deadline. If they're not playing well, but yet they're still on the bubble to make the playoffs, so I think they'll try and get him back a little quicker. That would be my guess. Um, like I said, I, I'm just—it's sad because it. God, he was one of the top five players in the league a week ago.
1: True. Yeah. I'm
2: not. I'm not changing nothing.
1: I. I. Agree. Whatever Brian said, man. I'm not changing nothing. I I agree. Who knows what's going to happen? So changing is just. Okay. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I think Brian's analysis is right. If they're playing good, they'll, they'll rest them up and be cautious. And, and if they're really tanking and they're out of the playoffs, then they'll shut him down for the season. And, you know,
0: I don't know, maybe try to move them or do something. I don't know. Either way. I think all three of us are in unison that it's just sad. The whole thing is a sad state of affairs uh, with that French once proud franchise. Okay. Moving yeah. on. Uh, we talked about the Cleveland Cavaliers and uh, the over under. I had set it 50 in terms of regular season wins for the calves uh, drew. You took the under Brian and I took the over. Uh, they have played 31 games as of this podcast tonight. They're 20 and 11 for a six forty-five winning percentage. Um, in order for uh, Brian and I to be right, they would uh, finish the season at 51 and 31 for a 621 percentage. And in order for Drew to be right, they'd finish at 49 and 33 for a 597 percentage. And I would say at this point that that's kind of a toss-up, guys. Any thoughts there? Mike, I can assure you without
1: any fear of contradiction, I have no thoughts about the Cleveland Cavaliers this part at this
0: point in the NBA season not a single one (laughs) okay Brian uh, you usually got some uh some some pretty good NBA insight given your basketball
2: coaching background Uh, again um I I think they're really good so I I I will stick with my over I think that uh they will continue to play well and and they're going to get even hotter at times I think they're a viable candidate literally to make the uh The finals. I I just think that in that uh, in the East, there's three, four teams that have a shot at it. And I think the Cleveland Cavaliers are one of them. So I would um, I'm going to stay with what I have.
0: I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm, and I'm going to stick with the over as well. And uh, we've got Tampa Bay. Uh, We were all right on that one. And that gentleman is a lock with three games left in a regular season. So congratulations. Um, The over under was uh, 10 wins for Tampa Bay. All three of us took the under, and with three games left, their illustrious record is 6-8. and So um, we were all correct. How how often has that happened in our
2: illustrious careers? No, but I'm willing to bet. I don't know why. I just have a feeling. One, they're going to get into the playoffs in that division, which isn't saying much, but they are going to get into the playoffs. And I'd be willing to bet that they win the opening playoff game because I think they're going to play at home, obviously, because they're a, a division champion, aren't they, Drew, Mike? Uh, they, yeah, that, that that's correct. As sad as that is, they would have a, I mean,
0: they would have a first week, uh, buy as, as the, no, division. no, no, I don't think so. I Not think a bye.
1: Year, only nope. the best record, either the first or best record in the league, but they would as a division champ play in what they call the wild card round
0: at yes. home. That's yeah. co- correct. They would have a home game, which by the way, you know who that would be against right now would be the Dallas Cowboys as a wild card team. Yes. Yeah. That, yeah. That's not that
1: bad. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I will just say in the last two weeks, two weeks ago, Brady was down 28 nothing at halftime. And last week, he was up 17 three in the first half and had four turnovers in the second half. I I don't know, boys, about this team. Uh, uh, Brian, 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 I I don't know.
0: Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, um, put up a little resistance Brian to your your utmost confidence that the Tampa Bay is going to win that division. Um I'm I'm
2: not so sure. Well, not only do I think they're going to win the division, Brady right now has finally gotten rid of that anchor, uh his ex-wife. So he's out stooping like a bunny right now, all at Tiger Woods when he was playing at his best. So Brady is going to be in my opinion ready to go. They're going to down the stretch, they're going to win. He's going to be in his best, and I think they're going to win a playoff
0: game. Well, what's happened the last couple of weeks? Because he shed that luggage, okay, to, to
2: paraphrase you there. Uh, it uh, takes Clayton. time. It takes oh, yeah. a little bit of time. Hey, look, they're not very good, but either is that division. You're right. It, it takes time for the for the
1: schtuck, you know, to accumulate in your system and translate out onto the field, as you well know, Brian.
0: Of course. <laughs> <laughs> So listen guys, last night uh Jokic uh, became the third player in NBA history to have a line uh, score of 40 points, 27 rebounds and 10 assists. Only the third player in NBA history and without cheating and looking at your phones or or le- letting your fingers do the walking through anything. Um I know that you will get one of these two players. So who's going to go first? Who's one of the other two players in NBA history that has achieved such a feat?
2: Well, Wilt is obviously one. Uh,
0: and, and Wilt
1: probably did it double-digit times. Okay. I, you know, my guess is Wilt probably did it
0: 10 times in his career at least. Okay. So you guys did not disappoint. You're a 1,000% right. And, Drew, you're almost on a, on the number how many times. He did it multiple times. It was actually eight. Okay. Uh, A little bit more difficult, perhaps. Who is the other player? Only other player. What was the rebound total? Uh, So it was 40, 27, 10.
2: I don't think the player that did it, um, is he still playing? No. No. Okay.
1: So, uh, you know, normally I would say maybe Kareem because early in his career he had uh, rebounds, like that okay but 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 i don't know that kareem ever got many assists and a guy that got lots of rebounds way back when but
2: it was elgin and i think i think it might be elgin brian i'm gonna go a different route i'm just kind of guessing i'm gonna say oscar robinson
0: those are both really 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 good guesses um
2: and true
0: you just elevated, which isn't hard because I didn't hold you in very high regard in the first place. But you were correct. It was Elgin Baylor. Thank Elgin you.
1: And, really And by nice. the way,
0: can we just stop for a second? Brian, you just brought up something.
1: I don't know that anybody listening today to us, you'd have to be well over 65 to really know Oscar Robertson. And I don't think anybody realizes how great he was. And everybody talks, you know, it's, we all have recency bias, LeBron and Jordan, that guy, I mean, for until magic Johnson appeared in the league for 20 years, your first team backcourt ever was just Oscar and Jerry without it. Right. There was no, there was no argument. There was no argument. And and Oscar, what, I mean, what he did, it, people should go
0: back and, and, and watch him. He, he was something to behold. I agree and I want to stay on that theme for a minute about uh the recency bias that uh, uh that people suffer from um and and go back and watch some of that grainy old footage of some of these uh great great basketball players of the past and I want and I want to just uh, end on Elgin um since he was the only one aside from wilt to uh to have had this uh, line score in the history of the NBA so wilt's or sorry, Elgin's career stats. You ready for this? Oh, they're they're mind-boggling. 27.5 yeah. points per game, 13.4 rebounds per game, 4.3 assists per game. I, I think the 27
1: points per game, and that might be third on the all-time list behind Jordan and and, and Wilt. I'm so not Jordan,
0: sure. yeah. So Jordan was was about 30. 0.5 or something like that. He had about three points per game at career average more than um, than Elgin. Elgin yeah. killed him on the rebounds. Uh, right, right. Uh, by more, he, he lapped him, you know. Uh, so he was 13-4 versus, um, I think, five and a half or maybe six or something like that. Um, and uh, for Jordan. And Jordan was only one assist uh, career average better than uh than Wilt's 4.3 he was 5.3 on average assists you mean elgin's an elgin yes yeah yep yeah so there so there you have it all right guys that's my that's my two cents worth thanks for uh thanks for input who wants to who wants to take the the baton here so i i have a i have a question
1: for you guys so i want to know now, we don't really have these issues anymore cuz we can freeze live action on the TV. But if you're watching a sporting event, let's say you're watching the final round of the Masters and it's the last putt, the last putt. Or you're watching a football game and it's the last possession and a team's on the 5-yard line if they score they 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 win the championship. Under what conditions would and you didn't and you couldn't freeze live TV? Under what conditions would it be appropriate for you to be interrupted by your wife for a question to do something. I I raised this because we were out to dinner with some friends and the subject came up in 2004 as Mickelson was lining up his putt to win his very first major. My wife came in and asked me a question. And and when I didn't immediately answer, she got a little peeved at me and didn't realize it was the final putt of the masters. So we had a debate under what circumstances would it be appropriate to get interrupted in a situation like that? If you could not freeze, live tv at what level of emergency
2: it would have to be god forbid this ever happen a child a child's death um or (laughs) a severe injury not not a mother-in-law not a father-in-law not uh (laughs) any other type of relative it would only have to be your own child's something drastically went wrong other than that there's no excuse right like like even a
1: car accident the first thing i would say is were the airbags deployed if they weren't deployed
2: then you can hold off well my question would be who's in the car it it would (laughs) not matter to me what was deployed i again (laughs) so um, i i i'm in
0: a hundred percent a hundred thousand percent agreement with with brian uh if it, it even god I love them dearly, but if it's my brother or sister, okay, it can wait. But if it if it's one of my two daughters and it's a perilous, like you know, yeah, horrible thing, the only other thing I would throw out there is if 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 our house while I'm in it, and I had no idea because I was so engrossed in that uh sporting event, Drew, was yeah. was on fire. So I mean we raised that issue too, Mike, and the yeah. question was. Well, could my
1: wife put it out herself with the fire extinguisher? <laughs> and if the answer is yes, then don't bother me.
0: My wife wouldn't know which end of the fire extinguisher to, to hold up. So.
2: <laughs> which is scary because neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's yeah I, I really don't see any other reason unless. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see any other reason. There's yeah. no one less, yeah.
0: Brian. I, I liked your first answer. There's no one less. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: All right, just wanted to make sure we
1: were kind of all on the same page. At what <laughs> level of emergency would it take? So,
0: yeah. what's what's on your uh, what's on your minds today, boys? What do you want to uh, What do you want to? So, I, I do have a about. question,
1: and I'm glad you you raised the basketball issue, Mike, because we we've offered our our goat selections a few weeks ago, but I don't think we've talked about college basketball. And I realize that 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 doesn't always translate into pro basketball or vice versa. So I was thinking about the greatest college basketball players of all time, and it occurred to me me that you can't really name anybody from the last 20 years because of the one-and-done rule. Like, you couldn't say anybody who played in the last 20 years would be on your all-time college basketball team because they haven't played long enough. Like Like a Zion Williamson or somebody, as great as he was, he was there for one year. Who cares? So I'm looking back at that and I'm thinking, and I'll just lead off. It's, it's hard to debate the goat, except in college basketball, it's, it's a layup. It's the easiest thing ever. The best college basketball player without a doubt was Lou Alcindor. I mean, it's not, it's just, it's not even close. So I'll I'll leave off with that. I'm curious as to who you guys would put like on your all time top five in college basketball, but I think, I think Lou is number one by leaps and bounds.
0: They had to change the rules of the game uh, because of Lou. So I have to put him at number one, too. And then, Brian, uh, I'm going to just go ahead. Well,
2: I'll I'll give you three, and then I'll let you take a look at some others. One, I would go with Bill Walton in terms of college basketball. He's got to be number
1: two, don't you think,
2: Brian? Right. His first two years, they were 60, you know, and then they they went 26-4, and if I'm not mistaken. And they lost yeah. to North Carolina state in the semis. So they did not right. win uh, the third national championship. Then I would go, uh, not necessarily in this order. And I think people don't realize if they look at his average, they'll be amazed. Rick Barry, I think averaged 38 points uh, a game at one point during um, his career in college. And then Pete Maravich is the other uh, yeah. one I would go with. The one other one I would put in there, uh is David Thompson. Yeah. But um, there are others, but those four kind of stand out. Um, some other people, We I've actually had this conversation and a guy was really adamant, an older guy uh, like ourselves. And he just said Elvin Hayes was another yeah. one that you, you'd really have to look at. So with that, Mike, I'll, I'll let you throw out a few names.
0: I, I have to agree with with all of those. Um, I, actually, the second name that I thought of immediately in conjunction with Lou Alcindor was Pete Maravich um for sure um you know but i also what about you know i'm thinking of like uh elijah Wan, ralph sampson so,
1: so what do you I, think
0: ralph sampson's stats were because i had him up there until i looked at his stats oh interesting i have no idea i'm just going by like a you know just a spontaneous thought not that good is that
2: what you're leading up to? i want to say he was player of the year twice and Brian. maybe three times three um times. He was, I do not think he averaged more than 15 points a game and 11 rebounds a game. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Ralph Sampson
1: was, and and I didn't know this off the top of my head. I looked it up. Ralph Sampson was the only three-time college player of the year in the history of college basketball. Three-time, not even Lou got it. He lose junior year, Elvin Hayes, because of that scratch cornea game at the Astrodome, uh elvin hayes was the player of the year lose junior year even though ucla won the championship and bill walton's senior year even though he was two-time player of the year david thompson got it as player of the year for winning the national championship so i agree with you brian i never thought ralph sampson was that great but when you're the three-time player of the year and three-time first team all-american it's it's kind of hard to leave him off the
2: team but i i agree they did they did not win a national championship either did they That is correct. That is correct. And by the way, on a side note, just so everyone knows how old we are, Kareem had the scratched cornea. They lost to Elvin Hayes and Houston. The backup center came in and basically – and I don't usually use this word, the other two guys do, but fucked up the game. Jim (laughs) Nielsen, okay, who became my good friend, Howard Fink's favorite high school coach – he ended up going to Van Nuys High and becoming our coach, the backup center to or to Lou Alcindor. And don't think we didn't let that son of a bitch forget it.
1: Um, well, you so just a great, on a side you had, note, you had a great relationship with Jim Nielsen when you were when you played for that team.
2: Just so everyone knows how old we were, you can't get away with it today. I was his TA. The guy had a 240Z, which was something to behold at that time. He let me drive it. He gave me money to go to McDonald's and pick up lunch for he and I. If we did that today, he'd be fired. But so I did like him. Plus, he was smart enough to start me and realize that I was a better shooter than Howard. But anyway, let's move on and, and, and get away from that. But that, isn't, that is true. The backup center became our high school coach.
1: Yeah, that was the big game in the Astrodome where where they played, and, and UCLA still almost won that game. Lou Correct. had like a patch over his eye, and then they had a rematch at the end of the year in the national semifinals, and UCLA beat him by twenty. But um, and then they won the national championship. Kareem won all three years national championship. But uh, Pete going back, Pete Maravich, I think he averaged forty four points a game all three years that he was that he played, sophomore, junior, and senior. I think he was over 40 points every year. The only other people I could come up with on that list going way back would be Bill Russell and Oscar Robertson.
2: Right. I was going to say both of them. I was going to say the big O for sure. Yeah. Um, Because he did have the numbers.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. He was player of the year when he was at, at Cincinnati. And I think Russell was two time player of the year at USF.
0: So so dropping down a notch from the 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 players uh, the caliber of players that we're talking about. You guys will remember this because uh we this was we were rabid fans of uh of all sports um well into that phase of our lives, but remember Austin Carr from Notre Dame? Oh my god, he was fantastic. Yes. And how about how about Mark uh, Aguire from uh was it DePaul what, or yeah. What, yeah. He was I DePaul. Mean, yeah, With DePaul, I remember seeing him. I was at a uh, UCLA game with Howard Seligman uh, at Poly when he was a freshman. And I just remember j- just him, you know, dismantling, uh, you know, UCLA. And I don't know, he scored 28 points or whatever it was. I just said, that guy, that guy has something. He's
2: yeah. he's
0: a really good player.
1: So uh, again, another, uh, another college player I loved was Adrian Dantley. He was a a First team All American at Notre Dame. And I think they were the team, if I'm not mistaken, Brian, that ended UCLA's 88 game winning streak.
2: Yes, they did.
0: Yeah. How about how about Patrick Ewing?
1: Yeah. Ewing and Elijah Wan, you know, they played all four years, unheard of today. Uh they would have been, you know, first round picks, lottery picks after their freshman year. And I think they 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 were contemporaries. Didn't they play against each other in a national championship game? Yes, yeah, and
2: in no. uh, Georgetown, if I'm not mistaken, uh, won. Yes, um, and beat the fly
1: the 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 Slamma Jamma group. Right, but yeah. I think
2: the problem with Ewing and Elijah on and they were great, is when you talk about the the five best, you've got Walton and and Alcindor and, 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 and Merovich. Yeah. Right. And they're, they're just not, I mean, they're they're great. There's just yeah. levels of greatness. And for me, it, it starts with Lou Alcindor. Then yeah. we could go to the next. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and to and me, it. It,
1: it's Alcindor and Walton one, two. And, and then, and then to me, you got David Thompson, you know, three time first team, all American player of the year and Pete Maravich. So that takes up four of the five in my book.
0: Yeah. right by the way by the way two guys named Larry Bird and Magic Johnson who went on to have fairly illustrious pro careers they were not horrible uh, as college players either um there was another guy who was really good way back before we were born by the name of Bill Bradley there's throwing out a retro name to you um, oh, yeah he was Wilt, he was fantastic Wilt was pretty good in college I think yes although Wilt left early to go play with the Globies really right.
1: yeah yeah he joined so, the globetrotters that's where he learned his ball handling skills and passing
0: so so just uh just uh something to note so bleacher report in their top 50 uh, college basketball players of all time and i'm just going to go one two was lou uh, Cinder one and pete maravich two hmm. yeah okay so, so we've got about uh five six minutes left uh What else do we want to cover tonight, Brian? That was
2: Drew's. uh... Well, I thought we were going to look at along those same lines, the greatest all-time teams in college basketball. Yes. Um, Which from my standpoint, again, it's, and and it is debatable, but not in my mind. It's not debatable. I just think the greatest all-time team um, was probably the 66, 67 uh, UCLA Bruins. You know they were thirty and uh, Al Cinder was a um, a sophomore at the time. Mm-hmm. That team, as freshmen, if I'm not mistaken, beat UCLA's varsity, who won the national championship. Uh, I want to say like seventy five to sixty. I'm not quite sure, but I know they beat them. Yeah. Um, the uh, the next, I, I just think any team that Lou Alcindor was on in those three years is the best team in all of college basketball they were 29 and one the next two years but they won the national championship each time i mean walton's first two years they were both 30 and oh but i just think any team that that lou was on was by far the most dominant team and over the over the course of a season they were going to win it you know he's 12 and zero in the in the um in the tournament now they didn't have as many teams but for me, and, and other people are going to maybe talk about, um, uh, you know, Bobby Knight's team that went undefeated with Scott May. Uh, even if I'm not mistaken, I don't know what uh, David Thompson's team's record was, but I know it was really good. But for me, it's just the team that Lou Cinder was on.
1: Uh, uh, so I can't disagree with that. I'll, I'll throw one other out there. Bill Walton's sophomore year, he they went 30-0, and 0 and – Their closest game was the national championship game where they beat Florida State 81-76. Every other game, their average margin of victory was 30 points. That team was ridiculous. And and, and I would put them up there too, Brian. And I was going to say the Indiana team was Scott May. You know, when you talk about Scott May was the player of the year and a two-time All-American. And so he obviously isn't a top five college basketball player of all time but he might be a top 15 player of all time. And I'll bet anybody listening to this uh, under the age of 50 has never heard of Scott May.
2: No. And, uh, and, and I'll give you one a more of a player. Oh, he's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. One more that I think could have had they won their semifinal game. I know. Who was you're gonna was yeah. 91 UNLV. They were oh. undefeated. Yeah. They beat the the running rebels. They yeah. beat the crap out of everyone. And for those that don't remember, they got upset by Duke in the yes. semifinals. And and many at the time were already considering them to be the greatest all time college basketball team. They they what was blown. the re- what was
0: the record going into the play into the uh, the playoffs, Brian? They were undefeated. Yeah, undefeated,
2: and they had
1: blown everybody off off the court. They had they had Reggie Theus, uh, Stacy Ogman. Or- Larry Johnson, grandmama. Yep. Yeah. They, they were just phenomenal, but, but the Christian Leitner, Bobby Hurley Duke team beat them.
0: Yeah. So right. go ahead, yeah. Mike. So I, I just want to throw in my two cents worth on uh, about UNLV because, uh, and this will be a segue that maybe we could start next, the next podcast. Cause we were also talking about discussing the best sporting events that we ever witnessed in person. Remember, we wanted to maybe talk about that too. The best college basketball game I ever witnessed in person. You guys are going to laugh, but during that UNLV, the Running Rebels uh, era, and it might have been the year before or the year after their perfect regular season, they lost a game shockingly to the Gauchos of UCSB. Oh my God! God. In the Thunder, yes, up here in uh, in Sleepy Hollow, Santa Barbara, and I uh, and I I was at that game. You couldn't hear yourself think. I mean, it was just pure and utter uh, chaos. And it was just an unbelievable in an intimate venue where the, I think maybe the seating capacity uh, there is maybe 3000 or something like that. That was that one rock That was a uh, that one rocked the world. <laughs>
2: Well, wow. I, I will tell you this, and, and Drew will give you more detail, but I could already tell you what I think Drew is going to say because I think it's the same thing I'm going to say. Yeah. I think the the greatest sporting event that I've been to – well, we've been to the Olympics, but as far as something that I could not believe I was watching has to be USC's comeback against Notre Dame with Anthony Davis. Yeah. Um, I was there and, – and, guys, you'll get a kick out of this. I was there with Greg Levy, who was drunk, in the really? stands with most – Irish fans and he is screaming F the Irish F the Irish and I'm trying to that, get him to shut up why in does the that second not, half
0: why does that not surprise me so but, um go ahead yeah so so can, uh, we want to bring can we bring some more details to this yes um as yeah. we're kind of running out of time here but uh so for Brian by the way I remember sitting with my father may he rest in peace my 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 dad Izzy um, who was a diehard uh, USC fan, having uh, played second string lineman for them back in the 1940s? So Brian, we had a house as you do now of cardinal and gold. Believe me, and and the earth stood still during every SC game, and we were just screaming our little fannies off during that game. So I am envious that you actually got to witness that in person. So Drew, uh, I, like- I was there with
1: I was there with Buckley, and Notre Dame jumps out to a 24 nothing lead. And USC scores what looked like was going to be a meaningless touchdown at the end of the first half. Anthony Davis and Buckley looks at me and goes, Let's leave. And I go, you know, we get the kickoff to start the second half. AD's gonna return the kickoff. Let's just see what happens. And of course he brought it back to the house. The stadium began rocking. They scored thirty-five points in the third quarter and then fourteen points in the first couple minutes of the fourth quarter they outscored him 49 nothing, you know, in about 17 minutes of the second half. And it was, it was the greatest thing I've I've ever seen. It was, it it just, it blew away anything.
0: And on that note, on that note, we're going to come to a hard stop here any second. Um, Thanks for listening, everybody. You guys have a a good remaining uh, uh, Hanukkah run here over the next uh, handful of days. And Merry Christmas. Happy Happy holidays. Happy Kwanzaa. We'll catch up with